two, three. interactive card game for singles and couples called The Interview. In addition, Dr. Reed has published 25 best-selling books, contributed to 12 anthologies, and has won multiple awards for his literary work, including the 2016 Yala Distinction of Excellence, Legendary Honorary, and the NAACP 2016 to 2017 Black Men Image Award. Dr. Reed has had the distinct honor of speaking to millions around the world and coaching individuals on four continents. He has been featured on Huffington Post, Black Enterprise, ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, Roku TV, and other international media outlets. Join me in welcoming the esteemed Dr. Oliver T. Reed to the show. Hello, we got a wonderful show for you today. Welcome back to My Two Cents. This is your host, Kenneth Thomas. So welcome to the show, Dr. Reed. Well, glad to be here. Thank you, Kenneth. I'm so excited to be on the show today. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. So, Doctor, tell us where you're from. Yeah, I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, now I reside in the DMV area. I'm in the, in the Nassau, Virginia area now. Okay. It's actually Northern Virginia. So basically I'm about uh, 30, 45 minutes from D.C. Okay. All right. I know where you are. Yeah, I used to live in Newport News. Uh, I was stationed in Richmond in, a, in that Langley. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, I love that area. <laughs> kind of miss it, too. <laughs> kind of miss it. Yeah, that's wonderful. So uh, tell me a little bit uh, about, um, you know, your life growing up. Yeah, my life growing up, I had a very uh, tumultuous, for lack of a better word, childhood. Right. In a sense, I was raised by a single mom who, uh, and my dad abandoned me when I was young, um, before I was born. Uh, and so we had a very strange relationship with my dad and a very abusive relationship with my stepdad. So mm. growing up was a very difficult and challenging. I grew up angry, upset, frustrated, uh, jaded with the perspective of what the world would offer. Right. All I knew was pain. You know, I, I, I met pain before I met, you know, joy and love and all those different things. Right. Uh, my mother was loving a very spiritual woman, a pastor. So I, I stayed deeply embedded in the things of God and church and all of those things. But emotionally, from a physical and emotional standpoint, it was very, very depleted um, because I didn't have counseling. Uh, I grew up in the hood. In the right, right. So, so basically, you know, it was this battle going on um, from a very young age. So would you say, would you say that that, in a strange way, empowered you to become who you are today? 
Yes, I always say that fail, failure is or trials or sometimes our success in reverse. Yes. It prepared me with a wit and a tenacity to appreciate happiness, to appreciate joy. Oh, I like that. Things I can really appreciate if you never had it. Wait, 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 repeat that. Repeat that one more time. I like that. I might use that. You don't mind if I use that in one of my books, right? Say that. Yeah, please use it. <laughs> yeah, say that. That's right. That's right. I'll give you some credit for it now. But I like that. That's that's you know that's 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 good knowledge. I like that. That's you know um it you know it's the smallest things, the smallest cliches that that means the most powerful things in life. You know what I mean? Uh, impactful. You know. Um, yeah. and that, that was pretty deep. So yeah, I, I do like that. Uh, so where did you go to school to get your, you know, undergrad and your doctors? <clears throat> yeah, I was basically, uh, my undergraduate, I went to Winston-Salem State University. Oh, okay. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, right, right out there where AT&T, A&T, uh, you know, Wake Forest and all of that out in that area. Yeah. So I went there for my undergraduate. In four years, because I had said to myself, listen, I got to finish in four years. Something over there, I'm not making it. Right. <laughs> I got to go in these four years, and I got to do it. Almost slumped out my first year. Um, to be honest with you, suicidal. Uh, tried to take my life on Christmas Day in 1995. Wow. Uh, and so I was not supposed to make it through college. Uh, after mental evaluation, they released me, and I was able to go back to college. And missed about 40-something days of that entire semester. Uh, and so it was by the grace of God I turned myself around and got out in uh, four years. Well, well, I understand that you were saying you had a rough childhood with your uh, stepfather and uh, the abuses, and unfortunately, it happened to too many of of our youth. Uh, this is a self help motivational podcast, and everything we say and do, somebody's listening. Somebody, somebody helps somebody, and I do have listeners all around America and overseas. I tell people that in a surprise. Look, you got people overseas listening. Oh yeah, oh shoot. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, I want. I know it's a bit touchy, uh, but uh, what you said? You mentioned suicide. Since, since you brought that up, mm-hmm. what what brought that about? You know, what type of emotions? You don't have to go into details if you don't like. But yeah, what? what... Yeah, uh, one of the things that I would say, I'll go back to that quote so that I can say it again. Is that sometimes our our failures are successes in reverse. Yes. And I always preach and teach wherever I go, with the book writing space, all of that. And I always teach from the standpoint of milking the crisis. So what mm. ended up happening was I had never, I had swept things under the rug that became boulders in my living room. Wow. Right? You know, our living rooms of our lives, sometimes we try to sweep it up right. or something else. Right. And I had never dealt with the anger. I never dealt with the rejection. I never dealt with the abuse being beaten every day or being verbally abused by a stepfather. Mm-hmm. I had never dealt with those particular issues. So I grew up angry and didn't know what depression was. Because in the hood, you can't come home and say you're sad and frustrated. You're feeling melancholy. You deal with these emotions of either anger or happiness, you know, or excitement or rage. Right. And so there was something kindling inside me that I never dealt with at that particular age of my life. So basically, I ended up... Uh, going through a great depression and end up being um, suicidal. I didn't even know in college, I, missing those days, I could barely get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get out of bed. I was crying. My roommate was like, what's going on? Like, I didn't know what it was. But there was a hot button item like it is now. Right. And so from right now, so I ended up man, getting to the lowest point and having an uh, argument with my mom that triggered everything that I felt like, man, what, what, what is this? I've been around all this 
this time in my life that I've been dealt with this stuff? Yeah. What is there for me to live? What is there to live for? And so I ended up ch- trying to overdose on some pills and medication on Christmas Day. So what led me was, again, those unresolved issues because I didn't have an outlet to say that I'm hurting. I didn't have a place to express myself. I didn't get the help in my toolkit to be able to cope with what I had been through. Everything was like, hey, just suck it up, just suck it up, and suck it up. So eventually I could no longer inhale. I had to exhale. Right. Wow. So that's deep. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going we're gonna to finish this. I'd like to know what saved you. I mean, I know, of course, the grace of God and his intervention, but I'd like to hear your words about what saved you, what stopped you, what, you know, how did you survive that? And, and then we'll move, in, we'll move into further questions. I'd like to know more about your organization and what you all do, but, but we've got to finish this. So uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Dr. Oliver Reed. Attention all listeners, if you liked Defying the Odds by Kenneth Thomas Sr. and if you liked Mountain Moving Prayers by C. Brainerd Thomas, you will love having an attitude of gratitude, the practical and spiritual benefits of being grateful, written by both amazing authors. This book is available in hardback and paperback on Amazon.com, available in ebook on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Grab it today. Welcome back to My Two Cents. It's Kenneth Thomas. We have the great Dr. Oliver Reed here with us. He was just telling us a fascinating story uh, of triumph, actually. uh, As he said, sometimes our failures are our our success in reverse. Love that quote. And one clear example was when he was about to take his own life. All right, doctor, if if you'll please finish. Um, I'm going to let you finish up there. Please uh, finish explaining to us about how you were saved. Yeah, it was one of those things where... Picture this in your mind. It was Christmas Day, um, 1995, my freshman year. I was, I was 19 years old. I was uh, basically rushed to the hospital, went through that whole particular point of them deactivating the medicine. And here I am waiting, thinking I'm going to go home with you, my mom. You know, I'm okay. I'm better right, now. Right. And they come and tell me, they say, you know, they say hey, you're, you're now, Mr. You're, you're in the hands of the state. Mm-hmm. You're a ward of the state. And I said, what do you mean? They said, you're either going to go willingly or unwillingly, but we got to take you for a psychological evaluation, psychiatric evaluation. And I said, what? They said, you can go willingly or we can restrain you. I said, I'll go willingly. <laughs> so I go yeah. into the car, get there, and they go into a depth evaluation. Mm. And I remember when they got to the point where they said to me, and what was powerful, my mother, um, who was sitting in the lobby, and she was a pastor, so she had called several members from my church. And one of the most things that still gives me chills and just gives me just this gratitude was people left their homes with their children and family on Christmas Day and they sat in the lobby and they were praying for me. Wow. Literally, they was praying for me in the other room while I was being evaluated. I could hear them praying. And when they was praying, the doctor looked at me and he said, hey, do you hear voices? (laughs) (laughs) And I stopped and I say, I hear voices, but not in the way you think I hear voices. Right, right. I hear God talking to me. Right. And he, he said, elaborate. And I begin to talk about it. I said, well, there's a peace right now in this room. And I know that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. So he looked at me around his shoulder, so he wrote down something in his pad. 
Right. And I didn't know what he was going to do because this was going to be the way that the violence can to decide if they were going to medicate me. Yeah. Or yeah. Away, yeah. Um, or they were going to let me go. And he said, you know what, Mr. Reed, I'm going to let you go under the orders that you will not harm yourself and that you will get, you will get therapy. And so I was released. I went and I was able to do therapy. Um, God blessed me to where my whole life, I finished college, and like I said, in those four years, I began to work with mental health. I began to actually advocate for those individuals who are going through the same situations up until this day. So I, I, I was able to milk the crisis. I was able to make the pain work for me. I tell people all the time, there's another quote coming, and I think it's a writer down. Thank you. Pain doesn't owe you a pity party. Oh. Pain owes you something. Oh. Pain doesn't owe you a pity party, but pain owes you something. So what I mean by what I mean by that is that any area, those who are listening to this broadcast, where pain has invaded your life, where pain has kept you shackled, where pain has kept you bound, where pain has inflicted an incision in your life, right. two things you must do. You must recognize where it comes from and not own where it comes from. But then also plant something in its place. Wow. So what I found out, okay, pain, I know where it came from. It came from the rejection of my father. And that led to the abandonment of my stepfather. My stepfather left him to me not feeling good about myself and being angry and upset. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to put love in its place. I'm going to put forgiveness in its place. Yes. Many years later, when my dad and I reconciled before he was murdered, I was able to put love I tell men and women everywhere I go, I was able to forgive him and guess what? Place honor on what dishonored me. And one of the things I tell people all the time is if you can break the cycle of dishonor simply by, you can break the cycle of dishonor by placing honor on what dishonored you. That's awesome. And look, now you, you're, throwing, you're throwing a lot at me. You throw, Hold on, hold on. I, I want to go back to, I want to go back to, uh, man. I gotta take notes with you, man. This is the first first show I've ever done. I had to take notes. <laughs> I gotta take notes. I'm, I'm usually better than this. Let's see. Hold up. Hold up. Now, rep- you said replace the pain with something. I like that. That is a good yes. nugget. Replace the pain with something. And then I, I heard it sounded like you said your father, your stepfather, or father was murdered. Yeah, my father. We reconciled years ago. That's a long. That's our next show. Well, I'll tell you how God just intervened supernaturally, allowed us to reconnect before nine months later he was murdered. Wow. And at the time when I heard his voice on the other line when he reached out to me, the first thing that came out of me that the Lord allowed me to say was, I forgive you. Wow. He was immediately in the Senate and he paused and he stopped. That's beautiful. Not to apologize to me, but I said, no, I want you to know that I forgive you. And when I did that, I had to do it for me. It released me, not knowing that nine months later he was going to be, nine, seven months later he was going to be murdered. Yeah. And I would be able to talk to him again, see him again, never say goodbye. Never right, right. Again. Right. And that's why I tell people on this phone, on this line, on this call, on this, wherever you're listening to this that radio broadcast, you need to understand that the power of you letting go will free not only you, but it will free you for years to come. So what if I didn't forgive him? Right. What if I didn't put love in his place? I would have been sold more pain. So then I would have reaped a garden of pain. Wow. And guess what? Many times in my life to this day, guess what I need? I need grace. I need forgiveness. I need understanding. I need people that I dishonor to forgive me. I need people to, to do the same thing that I've done for myself 
right? And so that was the reason why I put pain there. I identified the pain. See, we've been taught don't identify the pain. And that's one of the things that gets us in the biggest trouble. If your foot hurts, say ouch. Yeah. Right? It hurts. But we've been taught mask it, cover it up, especially as men. Say 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 what we don't feel and feel what we don't say. Right. We said again, men are taught to say what we don't feel. Feel what we don't say. say. Yep. That's right, doctor. You're right. And, and, and that's an unfortunate thing. It, it, um, it serves its purpose. I was in the military. Uh, it serves its purpose for certain things. Okay. But uh, uh, in the holistic view of life, it is a bad principle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, that men are taught that. Uh, it, 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 and when we learn it, and often it's cases that we're, we're we're already battered, burned, and bruised by what life has thrown our way when we learn that lesson, usually. So <clears throat> I would dare say to, to my listeners, heed what Dr. Reed is saying. Replace your pain with something. I would say love. I would say the joy of Christ. If you are like, well, I don't believe in Christ. Hey, to each his own, replace it with love. Replace it with something positive. Uh, for me, that's Christ uh, and, and love. I think that that is about the the most positive inspirational tool you can use to turn around negative uh, aspects of your life. And I also agree with the doctor when he says, "If you, um, how to, I'm, I'm not going to be in the court of the way you the way you said it. I'm going to play this back myself and listen to it. But if you if you kind of expect a pity party from pain, you know, <laughs> then you you're going to sit there and just wallow in whatever." despair you're in but it doesn't owe you that it owes you something but it doesn't owe you that uh let, let's quickly talk about that because i had a whole list of questions but this is so exciting i'm like forget the list i want to talk so <laughs> forget forget i want to talk so uh let's expound on that when you say when you say that um it doesn't a, a pity party doesn't owe a, a what no it doesn't owe you it owes you something. Pain doesn't owe you a pity party, but it owes you something. What do you mean by that? It owes you something specifically. What are we? What are we talking about there? Where we are misstalked and misguided, and sometimes misled, is that we feel that we have to let things go. Like when people die, we always feel like let that person go, mm-hmm. keeping them alive and commemorating. Right. Right. We always want to let go of something, get through something. Living in a society that says get through it, get through it, get to the next phase. Right. We. Oftentimes, replace things because we don't deal with the sin. So pain did happen to you. It did occur. But, okay, I can focus on all the negatives or can I say, hey, what is it taught me? Right. Okay, right. let me commemorate what it's taught me instead of what it done to me. Mm. So what I found out a lot of times is I'm learning in life as a man who still say, this hurt me. This memory hurt me. And sometimes people go around me, I talk about it. Uh, and sometimes they may not want me to talk about feeling right. like I should move forward, but this is, I'm revealing that instead of holding that in. And so now I'm finding ways to say, hey, since I got these keys from this pain, how do I go and unlock somebody else? How do I discern another man that's crying with his mouth closed? Mm. How do I really be able to use the tools that I have to help the next person? That's what it owes me. It owes me the experience. One of the biggest things I realized is when I was 16 years old, 14, 15 years old, I had a summer job, right? We were the projects. We had that little city job. They give you, you know, they give you a little, based on your parents' income, they give you 
uh, a job. And I remember um, working at this uh, school where I was a custodian. Right. Right. <laughs> I would work with these men and <clears throat> upper level, men, you know, upper up in age, some of mid age men, and they were working so hard. And I was learning these principles about hard work. And I remember one of the biggest things they had was that we needed to be on time. And I remember getting on my 10 feet and it was raining. <laughs> and I was running, rushing to work down this hill and messed around, hit up, and my 10 feet wheel got caught in the storm drain, a manhood, manhole. Right, right. And so basically I flipped off the bike, slid all the way down the street. <laughs> wow. And then I realized something, it was painful, the skin rubbed off of me. Mm. But guess what? Even though that happened years ago, I learned a valuable lesson. That I can't run or rush in the ten speed <laughs> and right. not look out right. look out for where I'm going. Two, I will never forget that moment, not because I just got a great memory, but it left a scar. It left a scar. It left a scar. So the scar reminded me that guess what? Oh, I remember when this happened. And then it also says, Oh, it shows that I'm a survivor. Right. I was scarred, but I didn't die. Yes. What can I do now? I can tell my son, hey, man, when you're headed to work, make sure you be careful. You know, the job is something, but, you know, hey, make sure you look both ways. So it gives me a lesson, lesson learned. So the pain that you experience is a place for you to be able to create healing. And then not only that, it's a place where you can create revenue. Hmm. Some of us would have never gotten into business except we went through pain. Sure that's right. Sure, right. It's right. 45%. Yeah. 55% of entrepreneurs start their businesses out of trauma. Right. Not because they just wanted to get the job with it. Can't nobody keep my kids, so I started to make it. Right. My husband left me and I started a counseling thing. Right. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. That's deep. So pain doesn't owe you a pity party, it owes you something. And that something is the experience. That's deep. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You gotta find out what the owes you. Yes. Another man can tell you, another woman can tell you, hey, this is what the owes you. It may not be it. They can envision something for you that's not your vision. You gotta watch out for the spirit of envision. People envision things for you that's not the vision that God has for you. But as you trace the root of where you've been hurt, I'm most certain that God will give you a solution. Wow. Wow. That's some good advice, people. If, um, If I have to say... If, if I have to say so, and um, this is, you know, I've had some fantastic guests on my show, and I'm sure I'll have some uh, in the future, but this is uh, very helpful. I happen to know um, it's very helpful for me to help me grow even further from where I am, and I know some of you out there are going to benefit from this because it's solid information. It makes sense. It's practical, and it's true. Um, so you, let's, let's talk about your company. Um, what is it? A a solution. No, no, what is it? What is it? Um, I have it. I am a solution. I think it's a really cool name, by the way. I am a solution. Uh, um, uh, tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about I am a solution. How, how did you come about with that? And what do you guys do exactly? Yeah, I was so busy, stuck a lot of times in the problem that I realized that a mind and culture shift makes all the difference. And I'll, I'll go back to this other thing. It's um for a while. Do you remember when we were in school, and I don't know if they still do this, but we had this class called geometry, right? Mm-hmm. And geometry, they had this particular theorem called the Pythagorean theorem. And I, I'll never forget this thing because it was a long equation. That was this a long equation. Sometimes it was like two or three pages. That was just the equation. That yes. Was the problem. Yes. Right? That's right. But 
what was powerful is when you got to the end of the answer and you answered it, it negated the power or the potency of the equation. What I mean by that, if you're the solution, it doesn't matter what the problem is. Mm. If I need water and you got it, I just solve the problem. Yes. <laughs> if I need a house and you build it, you just solve the problem. Right. right. And so I am a solution came about with being the solution because God is always stuck in solution mode. Christ walked the earth, he was always a solving thing. And so the organization exists, the I am is because he is. Wow. I like or that. I am a solution is because he solved. I knew I liked that name. <laughs> I knew I liked that name. Excellent. Excellent. So um <clears throat> What do you what are, what exactly? So you guys offer solutions to problems. What is that? What do you do? Yes, we provide the solutions to problems. So we really focus on everything writing. You know, writing whether it's helping you write a book, whether it's helping you write a grant, whether it's helping you to get this book outside of your head onto the pages, whether it's you know really working to help you manage you know your organization, whether it's speaking to your leadership, whether it's uh, structuring you need some administrative support, you need some administrative help. You know, uh, we're even now working on something that we've been developing that will work with people who have trauma in their life to turn that trauma into pages, journaling. Um, and so we, we do all things writing uh, is where our concentration is, but we do branding and marketing and just a slew of, of other things. But everything writing to be the other part of the equal sign. We want to be on the other side of the equal sign. That's excellent. That answer for you. Excellent, excellent. And you, you've authored 25 books, is it? Yeah, it, it's been more than that. Uh, there's 25 books that you can kind of see, but I've actually worked together to ghostwrite. I worked together on ten names. I worked together in anthologies to create more books than that. Wow, that's a, congratulations! That's awesome. Um, from one author to, to another, that's an incredible feat. Um, <clears throat> tell me, what, what's some of your best work? Your favorite out of all? Oh man, uh, each of them have their own personality or identity, but I think I am. Uh, one of my favorite works is called Manhandle, Hidden Code Words That Impact Men and the People That Love Them. And that's powerful because it talks about the power of decoding, the power of a word, how God spoke and created with one word to make man. Let us make man. We need to be able to do it. And so just the same way that men can be destroyed by the power of just a word. And so it talks about that. So when you think about manhandle, I love that because most people, when you think of that term, they think of a lot of times what a man is doing to someone else instead of what's being done to that individual. Excellent. Where's that? Where's that uh, available? Amazon. Amazon books anywhere pretty much books or so, but definitely definitely grab it on Amazon. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I may have to have you back <laughs> because um, uh, I, I, produ- I produce my own podcast, but my co-producers let me know the time, the time. They usually try to do uh, like at least a 30-minute show, but I'm, I'm, I'm going over here because this is just, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm soaking all this in. This is great. So I may have to have you back, but uh, I do want to wrap this up with um, a few, few final questions. Um, if you could tell me what... Is there anything new you're working on that you want everybody to know about? And I need how people can contact you to get more information on some of the services your company offer. Uh, what's happening next? I, um, I understand you guys have a men's conference coming up September 29th and 30th. I actually may be attending uh, there. So please get out and support. Let us know where it is. Uh, yeah, great. We're, we're doing something that's coming um, that's going to be, be amazing. Uh, it's called MUD, E-Men's Conference. It's a conference I've been doing um, off and on since 2013. 
It's mud. Is it, is it? I'm sorry. It, it, you didn't come through really clear. Was that mud? It's called mud. Yes, mud. Mud. M U D. M U D D. M U D D. Okay. Men under divine dominion. Men under divine dominion. Okay. Yes. Yes, and so this is all things. If you heard my story being on the show right now, it's a com, you know combination of everything that I've been through in this conference. And I'm bringing uh, about twenty something speakers. Uh, people from all around the world are coming from Canada, from, from all different, different places, from um, Bahamas. We were expecting to have people. Oh, wow. We have that room, and we're going to be doing two, two power pack days of just empowering men from all walks of life behind closed doors. So this is a men only event. Uh, we are open to female vendors and volunteers, but it's really going to be two power pack days to really impact men. And that's in Atlanta, Georgia, September 29th through 30th. And you can go to www.e men's with the best conference.com and you get all the information there and if you want to connect with me you can hit dr oliver t reed on all social media platforms and you can find me at dr oliver t reed books just hit dr oliver t reed and they'll pop up and google or amazon and we're here to serve you as you go there you can connect with i am a solution the consulting firm.com Excellent, excellent, Doctor. We appreciate that. So finally, I'm going to ask you something I ask every guest on the show. I've been blessed with wonderful answers all the time. I can't wait to hear what you got to say. <laughs> but <laughs> this is going to be a treat. <clears throat> the question is quite simple. For every person out there trying to better themselves, uh, they feel like, hey, look, how do I do this? How do I become a better person, a better me? Trying to start that new business, trying to get off their feet. I don't know if I'm too old to do it or somebody young. I'm young. You know, I'm, I don't have any direction. Uh, I, you know, maybe they're going through some abuse or, or something similar to, to you in the past. What would you say? Uh, how would you what would you say to them? What's the give me your 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 one minute. Well, take your time. But what's your advice to that listener, be them young or old, trying to be the best? them they could possibly be yeah man great question to be the best them you have to know what you're not you have to know what you're not before you can really embrace who you are mm. like i shared this whole particular radio broadcast about me going through i had to understand that although i went through pain i was not pain yes although i was broken i was not broke right although i was born into poverty i was not poor I had to understand that, okay, I am not these things that I've touched, but I will stay imprinted by what you hold on to, what I hold on to. Let me say it again. You are not what you touched or what has touched you, but you will stay imprinted by what you hold on to. It will begin to mark you. And in order to be able to change that situation, to get into your true identity, you have to discover what you're not. Mm. Feed yourself what you are. Starve yourself from what you are not. Wow. You will become what you eat and you will become what you take in. What you hold on to will mark you. I like that. Wow. Well, thank you again, Doctor. Thank you for blessing us with your presence here on the show and your wisdom. We appreciate it. And uh, hey, come come back anytime, man, because we, we can talk for an hour on this. And uh, I only go 30 minutes mostly. I know I'm over now. Who cares? Wonderful show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say the word. I'll be back, man. Hanging out with you. I appreciate it. We're glad to have you here. And uh, all of you all, you have his information. Uh, if you missed it, 
listen to the show over again. It's a fan. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we thank our guest, Dr. Oliver Reed. And as always, dream in faith. And on the line, on your mind?